Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm so blessed to be able uh, to minister the Word of God, and I pray that uh, the Lord speak to our hearts this morning and encourage us in His Word and, uh, and help us to stand and know what it means to stand for Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 1, we're going to read verse 1 through 5, and then we're going to pray uh, that the Lord would help us this morning. Amen. The Bible says, finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. This is Paul talking here, writing to the church uh, here at uh, Thessalonica. We decided to stay here alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in the faith. Now listen to this. And to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you are going through. And to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you are going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Verse 4, even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did. As you well know, verse 5, that is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Let's bow our heads this morning as we pray. Father, we're so grateful and humbled to come into your presence, God. We thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing, God, in our lives, Lord. We thank you for all that you've accomplished so far, God, but we know that you're not done with us, my God, and we know that we are a work in progress, Father God, and uh, today I just pray that you would minister to our hearts. Give us understanding, God, of your word, Father God, and I just pray for anyone in this place, God, going through troubles, trials, tribulation right now, Father, that you would help us to understand the purpose of what you're doing, Father God. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Praise God. So we hear, we get an account here of Paul's letter to, to this church and how he was concerned for this church that they would continue to stand, that their foundation would be sure. And in this topic of foundations, and I'll share in just a moment the, uh, the crux and the central theme of, of this message, but I was looking at some, some research on some bad foundations when it comes to buildings. And, and it's obvious that before a building is built that there has to be a foundation that is laid. And there's an instance in a Texas, it's called the Ocean Tower, and I have some images here I'm going to share with you. The Ocean Tower is a 31, it was a 31-story condominium building. And as it was being built, it began to sink 14 inches because of soil expansion, because the foundation there was not sure. And we saw, we see here in the image that it was even beginning to tilt. So before it was even completed, it was imploded. It, was, it had to be destroyed because it was unlivable because its foundation wasn't sure. There's another instance in Canada called Transcona, and this is near Winnipeg, Canada. And the foundation, is said, was, was primarily made of clay. And what it was, it was a grain elevator. It was used to, to move grain. And as, as, it was, as building was complete, as the first day that grain was moved in, it says, after the first hour of loading, the building sank one foot into the ground. By the next day, the building was tilted an entire 27 degrees. 
a faulty foundation. We have the familiar instance in Pisa, Italy. This building, although it's been standing so long, uh, constructed in, in 1173, it has a four-degree lean. And it was determined that the site was too unstable to support such a large structure. Why? Because the ground consisted of clay, fine sand, and shells. And lastly, and the most, I think, intense example here was in Shanghai in 2009. A 13-story building collapsed completely due to foundation failure. And what do these instances tell you? This is just a few, but what do they tell us and teach us that a good foundation is necessary for any well-built structure, for any building that is going to stand, anything that has a, has a purpose to stand for, for, for a time, it has to have a good foundation. I want to speak a message this morning entitled, Unshaken. And in our text there in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, it says, And to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. God, God's word speaks a lot about foundation, about structure, about the importance of having a good foundation. And that foundation being Christ. Can you say amen? A few scriptures here in Acts chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible says, For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. We've heard this term before. And in our architecture, there's a couple of stones that are, that are talked about when it comes to building. There's something called a, a capstone. And this is a coping, as it were, or a protective stone at the top of a masonry wall. Okay, So there's a capstone. There's also something called a keystone. And it's a wedge-shaped stone at the center of a masonry arc to evenly distribute the weight of the masonry down the sides of the arc, okay? So we have capstone, we have keystone, but then we have cornerstone that we read about here in Scripture. And the cornerstone, it was the first stone set during the building process. It said that careful measurements were taken to ensure that the cornerstone was square to ensure proper alignment with the remainder of the building as it adjoined two walls. So you would, you would understand that this, this cornerstone had to be perfectly square because as it adjoined the walls, this wall would have to be perfectly straight and so would this wall and, and, and so would the building go based on the cornerstone. Isaiah 28, 16, the Bible says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. A firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone, talking about Jesus, that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Psalm 118.22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Another instance in Ephesians 2.19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you were citizens along with all of God's holy people. You were members of God's family. That's good news this morning. Can you say amen? Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Now it's God's desire to build on our lives. God's using each and every one of our lives to impact this world, and God desires to do something great 
in each and every one of our lives, it's important that we understand the truth of a solid foundation and how important it is that we have to be built and founded on Christ. Because as we're going to learn here in just a moment, we have to plan on troubles coming our way. We have to plan that trials and circumstances that test our faith are going to come your way and they're going to come my way. And this is no, it's no secret. I know we've all been through situations and circumstances. It's the Lord's desire that we would remain unshaken. And how are we going to do that? It's going to be because of your foundation in Christ Jesus. If your foundation is unsure, time will tell. See, anything could be built, as we learn in these instances here about these buildings, they were built, but when the weight came, when time uh, began, began to come and their purpose was, was enacted and they were start to, we see in this grain elevator as grain was brought in and the weight was, was brought upon that building, in the first hour, it sank one foot. Time and situations and trials and circumstances will reveal the condition of our foundation. So what's the first thing that we have to understand? In this life, we have to understand, and again, it's no secret, but that troubles will come. Circumstances and trials will come. Perhaps you've recently stepped into a new position at your job. Trials, circumstances, and hardships will come to test you. Perhaps you've stepped into ministry for the first time. It's a blessing to be in ministry. Any type of ministry for the Lord, it's a blessing. But do you know that circumstances and hardships and trials and tests will come? Yes, even in your ministry. In your home, God's doing something great. God's building your home. God's working in your family. But trials and circumstances will come. Troubles will come. They're a part of the plan for our lives. In Acts 14, verse 21, the Bible says, After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, a Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith. Praise God for that. That's a good message. I'd love that message any day of the week, to continue in the faith. But they preached. They, said, they, they did this. They reminded them that we must suffer Many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Why did they have to go there? I would be encouraged. Yeah, continue in the faith. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be rosy and life's going to be good. Life's going to be simple and easy. But they preached. They reminded them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So here we are this morning. And you may be smack dab in the middle of a trial that you wish that you weren't in. A test. And we begin, we begin to curse these tests and these trials. We curse them and, and, and we pray. Of course we pray to the Lord to, for God to help us, but it's quite possible that God is allowing this thing to happen. Why? To work out something beautiful in your life. These tests, they have a purpose. They have a function in our life. Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. See, God uses them in our lives. Tests. They're part of the equation, and they have purpose. Now, what are some of the purposes of these circumstances that, that, 
that we, we find ourselves in. Well, one, God is building character. God is building character in your life and in my life. Praise God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That sounds crazy enough, doesn't it? To rejoice when you're in a trial, when you're in a hard, difficult situation. But the Bible gives us perspective on why we can rejoice. It says, we know that they help us develop endurance. And it doesn't stop there. In verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of, sal of salvation. Character. This is what we should desire. This is what we should strive after, is having a godly character. There are so many facades in this world. There are so many things that the world paints as a pretty picture that, 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 that puts a nice paint job on so many things that, that are sinful, that are, that are things that we should not be a part of. See, but when it comes to God, God is about building our true character, building us so that we will stand through situations and trials and circumstances. Anyone can clean up and look good. We see it all, all throughout the world, you know, there's, there's facades and there's, there's personas and, and there's so many things that, that people paint a picture of. I mean, you, look at, look, you have to look no farther than social media. Those that you're following, are they posting pictures of them just waking up in the morning looking all tore up? No, after, after three hours of, of, of fixing themselves up, I mean, then they're posting uh, what, where they're going, what they're doing, what they're eating, what they're drinking, and it looks beautiful, doesn't, doesn't it? It's because people want to put the best, their best foot forward. I understand all that, but God is concerned about character. What are you made of? Who are you when things start to get difficult? What kind of employee are you at your job when things are not going your way and they're not the most favorable for you? Do you still have a good attitude? Are you still supporting the vision of, of that job or, or your boss? Are you still, are you still being Christ-like there at your workplace even when things are going difficult? See, that is character. Let's bring it closer to home. What about at home? What about when you had a hard day and you walked through the door? What does your character say? Do you just let loose and, and, and let it all out and, and take it out on whoever's closest to you? Or is there that godly character that says that while I'm tried and while I'm in this test with God's help, I will be graceful. I will speak words of love and comfort and encouragement. See, this is the real stuff, and I thank God that we could talk about issues like this. This is, I believe, what God is most concerned about is the, issue of the, the issues of the heart, our character. Not about what kind of car you drive or the clothes that you're, that you're wearing or, 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 or what part, you know, what economic level you're at or whatever it may be. God is concerned about our character. Are we Christ-like? That's what God's concerned about. God is concerned about that. And any lack in our life, God is concerned about building that character. I always say it, we're a work in progress. We're not perfect. We're not perfect, but God has brought you such a long way. Can you say amen? 
He's done so much in your life, and you're not the person that you used to be. Praise God for that. Isn't that good news? I know we're not at our final destination. I know we still have a lot of hang-ups, but God is doing something great. Why? It's because he's working on your character. Enjoy the work. Let God work. It's said that the best fruit is grown in the valleys. I love the mountaintop. I love the scenery, the smell of the air at the mountaintop. It's beautiful. It's great. The air is cooler. It's great. But there's something about the valley, the trials, the tests, the valleys of our lives, the low points. That God is working something great in our lives at those places. Secondly, what's another purpose of troubles and trials is that it prepares us to participate in his glory. 1 Peter 4.12, the Bible says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. The Lord's saying, don't think it strange. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake. Listen to that. Partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may, be, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We all want to partake in the Lord's victories and, and, and victory in our lives. We all want to partake in that. We all want to have a part in that. Praise God. But we have to partake in Christ's sufferings. What does this mean? In the same way when, when Jesus was here walking on the earth in his ministry, when he was here, he was preaching the good news. And it, was, it, it fell on ears that were open and hearts that were soft, people that loved it. But, it, but many that heard it persecuted him. They didn't receive that message. They didn't want to hear it. Why? Because they wanted to stay in their same place and they were happy in the sin that they were in. So don't think it's strange when you're sharing the good news. Some people are going to love to hear it. They're going to want to hear it. They're going to be, it's as if they're thirsty and you're giving them water. They're going to they're want to hear it. But there are going to be those that may even be close to you that don't want to hear it, that persecute you for this truth and for this faith that you have don't think it's strange they did it to jesus they'll do it to us but what does character do it'll cause you to continue to preach that message it'll continue to cause you to to to, to live that life that god has called us to live to be that example that's what character does see with a bad foundation with a weak foundation when those persecutions come we close our mouth, we stop what we're doing, and we want to just go with the flow. But God wants to build godly character in us that we would persevere and we would continue to accomplish his will in our life despite good times and despite bad times. Even when you have money in the bank, when you don't have money in the bank, when your kids are behaving and when they're misbehaving, when your family loves you or maybe when they're shunning you, whenever it is that you continue to do in the work of God, and this is character. What else do troubles do? They purify us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Praise God for that. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will 
bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Praise God. That's good news this morning. That's good news for you and I. You know what that tells us? That you're going to receive that final reward when Jesus comes back. Right now, he's going to provide for you. You're going to get some reward. You're going to be blessed for what you're doing right now. But we should look forward to the day when he's going to reward us finally, 100%, because of everything that we've been through. We look ahead for that. We look forward to, to that. And in verse 7, what does it do? It shows that your faith is genuine when you endure many trials for a little while. I love new convert experiences. I love new convert zeal. I love new convert faith. I love new convert excitement and passion. And there's something that we can, the rest of us can glean from those that are, that are recently saved, that are excited. But you know what is a blessing also? When you see a new convert that is serving God, that is on fire, but you see them enter a test, a trial, a hardship, a difficult situation, And they keep going forward. They keep coming to church and worshiping God. They keep staying involved, and yet they, they get involved even more. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when you see this zeal and this fire that, 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 was, was, that was once fresh, and, and, and they're excited for God. But when they go through a trial, they continue on. That is a beautiful thing. And those of us who have been serving God for, for a little while, you understand that. There's something about that temperance and that endurance that's come over the years through hardship and circumstances and trials. It shows that your faith is genuine. And who does it show? To me, it shows three. It shows God that your faith is genuine. Right? Because wasn't this Peter telling Jesus that, Lord, I'll never deny you. Even if the rest of these deny you, Lord, I will never do it. And that was before that, that, that test came in his life. And what happened? He failed that test. He denied the Lord, his, his Lord and Savior. He denied him. But he got back up. He served God. And we read in the book of Acts how, how powerful God used his life. See, he bounced back. So it showed his Lord and his Savior that his faith was genuine. Who else does it show? It shows others. It shows others that your faith is genuine. People are watching you, your coworkers, your family members, your children, your parents. They're watching you. And they hear the message that you're preaching. They hear about this truth, this Jesus that you're preaching about and how he's changed your life. And as they see you go through trials and hardships, as you continue serving God, it's showing them that this person is for real, that your faith is genuine. And who else does it show? It shows yourself. It shows me. It shows me that despite the hardships and despite what I've gone through, I'm, I'm, I'm still standing for Christ. I'm still serving God. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that, that I, I've attained. But with God's help and his grace, I'm still standing. Thank you, Jesus. So, so it shows others that your faith is genuine. See, God's called us to be unshaken. That's how we're going to impact this world. And again, it goes beyond this, these four walls. It impacts our relationships. 
Your love in relationships. Our midweek uh, sermon series this month is called Healthy Relationships. As we learn to love others as Christ loved us, it's, it's showing them. It's been such a testimony to their lives because love will be tested. But as we continue to love as Christ has called us to love, it's, it's ministering to other people's lives. So troubles will build our character. They'll prepare us to participate in his glory and they'll purify us. So how do we get through troubles, through circumstances, through these trials, through these hardships that we're facing? We have to trust God, and we have to be in obedience. We have to walk in obedience to Christ. In John 15, the Bible says this. John 15, 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. See, we're talking about being unshaken. We're talking about remaining in Christ, about standing for Christ, about, about continuing in what he's called us to be a part of. And it's going to come through you and I obeying him. It's right here. It's in God's word. He speaks so many things in our lives. If we open the word of God, we have instruction for our life. We come to church. We go to Bible study, to our home relay groups. We're in ministry and on all different aspects. We're at work. Obedience, obeying God will help you, will cause you to remain when we start disobeying here and there. Then we're not going to last because our love becomes conditional. So when things are easy, then we will obey. But when it gets hard and when it gets difficult, then obedience goes out the window. God has called us to obey. Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. That is what your obedience does to your life. It'll cause you to be built on the bedrock. Because we understand that we have to be obedient to God first and foremost. Times change. Society changes. The rules and the things that society deems as important and right and correct, that changes from time to time through seasons. We see it. If you've been around any amount of time, we've seen that. Public perception on what's right and acceptable in the last 20 years, man, it's, it's done in about face, I'll tell you. It blows my mind. But God's word is true. Can you say amen? You thank God for that? That God's word is true. The Bible says that every man be a liar, but God is truth. God's word never changes. We could stand on God's word. We could trust in God's word. We could live in God's word, and we're going to be blessed, and God is going to keep us and help us to be blessed in this life, even when... Everything else is going another way. How do we get through troubles? We obey Christ. Secondly, we look up. Proverbs 4.25, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Keep your feet from following evil. 
I remember back in school, my dad gave me, gave me some, some wise advice. He said, whenever you see trouble going on, and I, and I always have this mental picture in my mind, go the other way. When you see something wrong happening, go the other way. When you see a fight breaking out, go the other way. I remember in school, they, they, they started this rule that, that not only the people that were getting in fights, but anyone that was around rooting them on and, and watching it, they would also get penalized because they were enjoying the show, right? <laughs> and it's, it's an example here. I think many try to see how close they can get to sin without actually sinning. It's a crazy way our mind thinks sometimes, right? How close can I get to sin? See, this is called compromise. How close can I, can I get to the world without being worldly? How close can I get to, to uh, uh, doing all these different things without stepping into sin? Because, because I want the best that God has for me, but purity and holiness and righteousness is a little tough, so let me see how close I can walk to the edge without falling off. It's, car it's a carnal way of thinking. It's carnality. See, God's word tells us, flee, run the other way. Run towards righteousness, run towards truth. If sin is that way, then you run that way. If, if, and the Bible says if, if there be any appearance of evil, abstain from it. You can't afford to walk that close. Sin is nothing to be played with. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Next, set aside every weight. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us strip off every weight that slows you down what slows you down in this race perhaps it's unforgiveness perhaps it's greed perhaps it's jealousy perhaps it's the love of of money did i say unforgiveness Anger, malice, all these things that slow us down. God's doing something great in our life, and, and he wants us to strip off these things that slow us down. God's called you and I to run this race, and not only run it, but to win it. And in, in order to do that, we're going to have to strip off every weight. You know what those things are in your life. You know exactly what they are. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is bringing revelation right now, bringing those things to your mind, those things that you have to strip off. God wants, wants to do something great in your life. He wants to pour out his blessings on your life. But some of us, we're, we're, we have our life filled with so many things that, that aren't godly, that are, that are just slowing us down, that are, that are causing us to not run this race as he's called us to run it. God's saying, make room for me. Make room. You want to finish this race? You want to do what I've called you to do? Make room for me. Set aside every weight. And lastly, the last scripture here, James chapter 1, verse 8, as our worship team makes her way up. Set aside every weight and be committed. Commit. Be single-minded. Commit to it. What's God called you to? Whatever it is, commit to that. That ministry, commit to it. Your family, commit to them. 
those relationships that God's placed in your life, commit to it. First and foremost, Almighty God, commit to Him. That is where you're going to be able to see success. The Bible says in James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't be double-minded. Let the past go. Learn from it, and that's about it. But look forward. The Bible tells us and speaks in so many instances where we have to look forward. Lay aside every weight. Forget the things that are, that, are, that are behind you and press forward to the things that are ahead. That means the good things. That also means the wins that we've had in the past. And we thank God for those things. But sometimes we could even live in the past based on those, those previous victories. But can I tell you that what God wants to give you new ground to, to take for him? Can you say amen? God wants to do something new in your life. He wants to give you new victories. He wants you to conquer new areas and new places in your life. He didn't call you and I to live in the past. He called you and I to go forward and be committed, be single-minded. And what's this going to do? When the trials come and the hardships come, your feet are going to be sure, and you're going to stand. And you're going to be able to declare and say that God has a plan and a purpose for this trial. See, someone that's double-minded will, will see like, I don't think it's worth it anymore. I, I don't know what God's doing in my life. And, and when we start to, to waver on what God's doing, we start to waver in our life. But God has called us to be single-minded, not double-minded. We have to pray. We have to fast. We have to keep coming to church. It's important. We have to. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. Stay in fellowship. You're not called to run this race alone. God's placed people in front of you. God's placed leaders in front over you and I. The Bible says they watch over our souls. God's placed beautiful relationships to your left and to your right. And you don't, of course, depend on them. You depend on Christ. But God uses those relationships to help you win. So many miracles in my life are tied into the body of Christ. Not because it's come through the power or the ability of, of, of men and women, but it's, become, it's came because of the faith of believers such as yourself that my wife and I have seen so many miracles transpire. Why? Because we stayed connected. We've been tested. We've been tried. You know, the devil's tried to lie, right? To all of us, he's tried to do it. Be committed. Stay connected. Don't forsake what God's doing. Yes, even here in this body, God's working. And I understand it's not the only, the only body. The body of Christ is one. There's, there's many. But God is doing, has done something beautiful and special in my life here within this body. Among, among the blessings of your relationship with God, how it's ministered to, to our lives. It's so important, church. So God's desire is that we would remain unshaken. Because he has something beautiful and he has something great for you. Here in ministry, there at your home, with your family, at work, and in your career, whatever it may be, as you and I stand on Christ, we're going to be able to experience and see all that he wants to accomplish. Why? Because we're unshaken. Praise God. Let's bow our heads this morning, amen, as we prepare to pray. Thank you, Jesus. God is good this morning. God's desire is that we would be unshaken because he has something awesome and amazing for your life. 
And how do I know this? Because he says it in Jeremiah 29. The plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. That's God's word. That tells us that God desires something beautiful. God wants to do something great in your life. What do you have to do? Or if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ in your life, that's the first step. You have to accept Jesus. He wants to do something great in your life, but sin separates us from God, and because of Jesus' death, we're able to be in beautiful and loving relationship with a pure God. You have to say yes to Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning, you would say, that's me. I want to be saved. I want all that God has for me. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We want to pray with you. If that's you, if you could raise your hand up and put it right back down. A simple prayer is all that's going to happen. We have some prayer partners on my left and right that will pray with you. A simple prayer. Anybody this morning, God is good. God is good this morning. This is your time. Please don't pass it up because you're not guaranteed to get this chance again. You're not guaranteed. If that's you this morning, you say, yes, I want Jesus. I want him to come into my life. Raise your hand and put it right back down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God's good this morning. Church, if we could all stand. Unshaken. It's God's desire that we would be unshaken. And perhaps you've been standing, and sometimes we get battle fatigue, but it's okay. God's here to strengthen us. So this altar call this morning is going to be two parts. One is going to be if, if the Lord ministered to you in any way in this sermon. And also we want to invite those that are going to, uh, to the youth retreat, the battle youth camp, uh, to also make their way up and make the altar call because those that are going to the retreat, if you could remain up here because afterwards we're going to pray with you. So I want to open up the altar. If the Lord spoke to you at the sermon today or you're going to the youth retreat, please make your way up. Come and find a place. Get a hold of God as we pray. Hallelujah.
God is good this morning. Praise God. I want to pray for uh, for those that are making their way to the youth retreat. Uh, we, we believe God's going to do some great things, like no other, like no other. That God's going to God's going to move and God's going to equip you and strengthen you. So we're going to believe God. So church, if you would, where you're at, outstretch your hands, and if our pastors come and pray, and we're going to we're going to believe God as we worship and as we sing. for what God is doing here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We are praying for all of you that you have a safe trip. Amen. Traveling mercy uh, this morning as you guys head up to the camp and have a great, great time. Amen. God is going to do great things. You're going to see a different teenager come home from that camp. Amen. It's going to be a different teenager. I believe that. Thank you, Jesus. He is so faithful. This morning, we're going to pick up our offering out of the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9 and verse 12. Paul says these words to the church of Corinth, and he says, so two things, he says, so two good things will come from this ministry of giving. He says, number one, he says, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And he says, number two, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God I don't know about you but I'm thankful I'm thankful that people gave so that I'm able to receive amen and now freely give uh, because of someone else investing because someone else invested amen I was able to walk through these doors amen and to know Jesus Christ for myself I was able to establish a relationship with him in this church through the ministries because someone continued to give and just as Paul says he says in this good in this awesome ministry of giving 
So many good things take place, and this is just naming two of them. And as we give, these doors are able to remain open. And as these doors are to remain open, amen, how many know that people can begin to know Jesus Christ for themselves, just as you and I have. We come to know God's love through, through His Word that comes across every single time that we gather. God's Word is given. And this is through giving. So stay faithful in your giving, amen? As God uses our finances for His kingdom building. As every head is bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Lord, we thank You, Lord God, for the privilege and the honor to give this morning. Lord, that our finances can be used, Lord God, to encourage, Lord God. Father, and to see people give their lives to you. Lord, help us to stay faithful and help us to give cheerful this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says, amen. It is a blessing to be with you here this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. Don't forget, first time guest, VIP room after our service. We want to just get to know you, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you. Shake each other's hands, amen. Greet one another this morning. Okay, I'm taking this one, so you're going to have to go get another of my enemies I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief I raise a hallelujah my weapon is a melody I praise a hallelujah heaven comes to fight Is this?